Hello and welcome back to the Friends of Dorothy, Emmy, Oscar, and Tony, your channel for all things television, film, and theater. My name is Alex. And I'm Cole. And today we are talking about the Tony Awards. Love. You know, this is probably the biggest reason why I wanted to start this channel is to talk shit about the Tony, not talk shit about the Tony Awards, but talk about the Tony Awards and... You love an award season. I do love an award season. We will do plenty of awards, but Tony Awards are the most important night of the year. Including the Kids' say. Choice Awards. Well, we'll just see. Kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll see if they're on strike, if they're not happening to, if uh, the WGA is still on strike. Oh, but, um, fortunately, the Tony Awards are still proceeding as planned. Um, there are some guidelines that have been put in place by the WGA, but we're thrilled that Broadway is still going to get its night to shine and hopefully help get some buzz around these shows. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this because usually the only conversations around predictions that happen are in my head and with other podcasts <laughs> with me pretending like I'm in the conversation in my car. So and now you're in the conversation. Now I am the conversation. Oh! We are the conversation. And so today we are going to be going through all the categories and talking about our picks for this year. Both who we would award and also who we think is going to win. So, yeah. Which, like, every award show we watch, we watch them all. We always print off our ballots and we always do a two-marker system of, like, who we think is going to win and who we want to win. And there's a point value in the end. He usually always wins. I think I beat you the last one we... For the Oscars. Oh, I fucking I think you did pretty rocked well. that one. Yeah, you did pretty well at the Oscars this yeah. year. I was a little too hopeful for everything everywhere. Even though they did very well, I had them doing even better. So, yeah, I missed a little bit on that. But, um... So, as we go into this, uh, a disclaimer I want to put in. We're going to talk about precursors, um, which specifically are the Drama League, Outer Critic Circle, and Drama Desk. Um... What I want to point out is I understand that precursors really don't matter too much when it comes to theater awards as much as they do in, like, film and television. Why is that? Um, they're really completely separate voting bodies. You know, like, when it comes to film, when you've got, like, the SAG Awards, WGA Awards, DGA Awards, those members typically make up the Academy voting pool in some way as well. But when it comes to theater awards, like, those precursor bodies really don't encompass the Tony voters whatsoever for the most part. Um, so there's not too much overlap. The only thing that can happen is a sweep within the precursors can build good momentum for either like a performance or a show or okay. a category to do well and get some hype in going into the Tonys and help it potentially win. Um, so we will talk about precursors, but I'm not relying on them as mm -hmm. truth. Uh, we're just going to talk about from our own opinions of seeing a lot of these, what we think is going to be getting in there, and also just from the buzz and whatnot, um, yeah. what we see happening. Yeah. So, without further ado, we're going to start with the plays. Um, and we're going to start with Play Revival, because we have no stakes in this one, because we did not see a single of the four nominees. None of them? Nope. So, the nominees for Best Play Revival are A Doll's House, The Piano Lesson, The Sign and City, Brewstein's Window, and Top Dog, Underdog. Oh. The only revival we saw was Ohio State Murders. Um, it's not eligible? It didn't get nominated. Damn. Really? Yeah. Audra's the only portion of that show that got nominated for lead actress. Interesting. Now, no set design or... Nothing. Nope. Or lighting? Nope. It got lighting at other precursors, um, what? but only Audra. I think because it was, A, because it was such a strong year for plays. We had, I think, 18 new plays. We had 
what, six or seven revivals, six revivals, mm -hmm. um, and it's just too much competition. And also, you know, that show was really short-lived. It closed a lot earlier than it was supposed to. Um, so I just don't think enough buzz got around it for it to pick up enough momentum in other categories. Okay. That sucks. Because it was, like, set and lighting in particular wise, I remember it being. It was like, gorgeous. I mean, yeah. of course, Audra's untouchable. But yeah. I remember being amazed by it. The set was so... It was the bookcases, right? And they were all, like, yep. sunken into the stage. Okay. Oh, well, and floating. Sucks. Some of them, I think some of them were, like, in the stage. Yeah. Wow, it sucks. We'll get there. We'll get yeah. there when we talk about sets. Sorry, fine. so sorry. But, um, so when it comes to revival, it's really all over the place. And I'll talk about the precursors just because they're completely split and spread. So Top Dog Underdog won the Outer Critics. A Doll's House won the Drama League. Um, and the Piano Lesson won the Drama Desk. So that leaves the sign in Sydney Brewstein's window as the only non-winner. But... It was also ineligible for Outer Critics because it opened too late. And um, it was nominated for the Drama League for Best Play Revival and also won Best Play Director. So, so it, got, it, it got some wins under its belt. It's, yeah, it's got some hype. So I see this... This one's so hard. I'm thinking it's going to go to a doll's house just because it's, it's still open. It's critically acclaimed. Everyone's raving about it. You know, it's got the whole creation story of how um, uh, Jamie Lloyd and um, Jessica Chastain brought this to Broadway. Because it was originally supposed to go to the West End back in, I think, 2020. And then COVID happened. Um and then, you know, Jessica was basically like, I want this to happen. Can we possibly do it in New York? And, you know, they basically brought it to Broadway and made it happen. I mean, in this moment, I'm an outsider. I don't know yeah. too much about and the shows. I know the, I do know vaguely the piano lesson, but if I'm being an outsider on this, I'm going to say, Jessica Chastain. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, it's... Um, I, heard it was gr I heard she was great in it, though. Yeah. And I still... I still have, this is one of the few categories. Why have we not seen it? Any of them? Oh, let's wait for the helicopter. Why have we not seen the a doll's house, at least? Um, it's hard to see. It has a mobile rush that goes really quick. Um, okay. <gasps> so all these were, like, harder and more expensive shows to see. And a lot of them were, like, Top Dog Underdog and uh, um, The Piano Lesson closed in January. Both closed in January, I think. Yeah. I wish we would have seen Top Dog Underdog because I just keep hearing about how incredible that production was. Um, the only thing I will say, too, is that A Doll's House is the only revival with a Best Direction nomination. Is that an edge? In, in, in the Tonys? At the Tonys, yeah. So is that a little edge on the competition? I'd say yes. And it Because acting. it has two acting, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so it does help it. It does, but then you look at Top Dog Underdog, and in a in a year stacked with leading men, it managed to get both of its only two actors in. In one acting category? Yeah, mm -hmm. in the same acting category. So, so what's your prediction? Okay, well, let me do mine, because mine, mine's based on nothing but nothing. I want A Doll's House to win. Yeah, I think ultimately I'm going to end up going with A Doll's House. Um, just because when it comes to like 
the term revival, you know, you look at it and think what has been so like recreated from its origin that it tells the story in a completely new way. And I think they did that with the doll's house with this very like minimalistic production that they did. Yeah. So I do think I'm going to end is, up going with the doll's house as well. Is that the one where she just sits on the stage and spins? Yeah. Right for the show. Opens? Yep. Okay. I, I think that's so cool. I listened to a, uh, I forget what group it was through, but it was like an actor's round table thing. And, um, Jessica Chastain was there and talking about how it's been like, cause she goes out there before the show and is in full character and she'll have people who like, you know, are shouting her name, trying to get her attention and taking photos and videos and TikToks and whatnot. Her and Ben Platt both, you know, yeah. very, they're in very serious situations where people are just like, oh my God, like pose for the TikTok for me. And it's yeah. like, you're missing the point. Uh, That's what this is for me. But, especially um, the prayed one. Yeah, exactly. So I do think, I do think that a doll's house has the edge here and I do think it's going to end up taking it personally. Boom. Might change Is my that mind. who you want to win? I'd, so some of these, if I didn't see at least half of the category, I'm not putting a want because I'm like, oh, well, you know. Anna's I do now, though. I did buy I did buy Top Dog Underdog, like the, the physical copy of it, to read because I do really want to understand what this show is about. So okay. I'm excited to read that. All right, next. All right, moving on. Sound design of a play. Our nominees are... Carolyn Downing for Life of Pi, Joshua D. Reed for A Christmas Carol, Ben and Max Ringham for A Doll's House, Ben and Max Ringham for Prima Facie, and Jonathan De Deans and Taylor Williams for Ain't No Mo. Okay, that's another hard one, because we've only seen... You, you haven't seen any. You saw Ain't No Mo at Woolly Mammoth, but in terms of sound design, it's, you know, fully different. Different, yeah. And then that's the only one of this category I've seen. Um, well, before we even dive in, I'm just going to go with my opinions because I have no thing to talk about. So I'll let you talk about each one and how it's done. Or yep. I, you know what? I think Life of Pi. I think, well, mainly I love the movie and I love Puppeteer, which is a big portion of that show, which has nothing to do with sound. But like I said, this is based on nothing because yeah. I've heard it. But you think it could like it could do a technical sweep, like because of how yeah. lavish like a pie is, it could sweep all well, the technical yeah, categories. No, yeah, no, the water. You know, the tiger is essentially a character in the show. Tigers don't have lines; they're not using a live tiger to to, right, right, to right. do the tiger's noises. So probably they asked some to play into it. Um, what I remember from Ain't No More, Ain't No Mo in um, uh, DC was. Uh, Well, I can't compare it because they were because William Mam. I think they know it's a it's a fun theater. They they have their issues, especially if you're sitting in the wrong spot. Mm -hmm. So we're like, so I'm gonna say Life of Pi. I'm not gonna do what I want, but I think it's gonna win. It's Life of Pi. But I don't know anything about the other ones. Like Jodie Comer's plays, right? What's the sound like on that? She's just talking the whole time. Well, and that's the thing. So I because sound is a category I feel like least educated on, and so there's and by the way. So I, I would love if we could get voters on to interview to talk about what they look for in some of these categories, because if you look online, there's really no resources where people talk about what qualifies to get like nominated or win in these categories. Like, you know, what are, the, what are the bullet, yeah, what are the bullet points that they look at? And I think sound is a huge one, but I did, there is a good like eight part article all about sound that I thought was really cool. 
Well, and I love talking about technical stuff, so it's sad yeah. that I haven't seen any of these because I'd have a, I'd have a, I'd have opinion, I'd have points of where I thought it lacked and stuff yeah. like that. So it sucks I didn't see any of these. And people are saying, like with Prima Facie, that um, doing like a one person show, there is so much between like the sound engineering and like the actual sound design and everything that goes into making that type of thing really successful. Um, so I think it is definitely valid. One thing I will say is Fat Ham should be in this category because the sound in that show was helped make it what it was. Okay. Like between the vibe of the karaoke machines and like how it sounded like they were actually like singing out of a karaoke machine. Um, the sounds utilized like when it came to the ghosts and stuff. Um, I do think it was a pretty big miss that it didn't get in here, but I digress on that. <laughs> um, Again, not relying on them, but if we look at precursors, A Dollhouse won the drama desk, and a lot of people, there's a lot of hype around A Doll's House for having great sound, and I think with it being such a minimalistic production, like, your sound better be good if you're not doing anything for my eyes in this. Yeah, you have know? no set pieces. Yeah. Um, Christmas Carol, everyone was really gunning for it early on, just because I, it, was, it was like a, a technical spectacle in all ways. Um, but it seems like the hype for that might be forgotten a little bit just because it closed a while ago. Um, so, though, a fun fact, um, there was a production of A Christmas Carol that was in the 2019-2020 season, and it did, that one won sound design in 2020. Um. Oh, all right. So, so. I think it's between A Doll's House and Christmas Carol. I could see A Doll's House taking this one. Okay. For sure. I'm going to go with Life of Pi. Okay. All right, next we're going to go into scenic design of a play. The nominees are Miriam Boother for Prima Facie, Tim Hatley and Andre Golding for Life of Pi, Rachel Houck for Goodnight Oscar, Richard Hudson for Leopoldstadt, and Dane Laffrey, Lucy McKinnon for A Christmas Carol. I think this one's really easy. Well, fuck me. I didn't see any of those. Uh, I saw Goodnight Oscar, so I'm oh. not that qualified either. What was this category? Scenic. Oh, duh, it's easy. Life of Pi. Like, like I'd be amazed if Life of Pi just, didn't. Just, it's, it's, it's one of those things, it's swept. It's the, it's the most, you know, intriguing part of the show. Um, and I think... You have to give me water without giving me water. Right, and what helps it, too, is since the Tonys don't do a separate category for projections, and you, to me, until I was looking into this the other day, I thought projections went into lighting. Projections go into scenic. Mm -hmm. So all those scenic factors go into the scenic, or all the projection factors go into the scenic design category for this. Okay. And it's those projections that create the water and all the effects and everything. Aside from the fact, I just saw a TikTok of like, because we haven't seen Life of Pi yet, of like how they get the boat on there and it like rises out of the stage and every like, and, but like not just as a chunk. Like it, it's it's really crazy. I have to show okay. you. Um, yeah, it's undeniable. Like, Life of Pi is going to win this. Okay. I think it's, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I love it. Um, Goodnight Oscar was cool. And like I said in our re my review of it, um, it was cool when they like lifted the whole setup and it was the big um, recording studio for the TV show. Mm -hmm. But I, I just don't think there's any competition for this whatsoever. All right. I think it's one of the safest categories of the night, honestly. Cool. So. All right. Life of Pi. Okay. So next we're going to do co uh, best costume design of a play. The nominees are Tim Hatley, Nick Barnes, and Finn Caldwell for Life of Pi, Dominique Fawn Hill for Fat Ham, Bridget Reifenstuhl for Leopoldstadt, Emilio Sosa for Ain't No Mo, and Emilio Sosa for Goodnight Oscar. Oh, two. Double nominee. Double nominee. That's not against the rules? 
No, not at all. There's a few of those. And it happens a lot with design because I think... Because only five people design. Basically. They let nobody else in. Basically. A little bit. Yeah. So... All right. Let's change that. So I personally think this should go to Ain't No Mo. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Unless, unless I'm going to change your train of thought. Go ahead. What was the difference between Willie Mammoth and... Um, to New York a lot okay a All lot right. so go ahead yeah even like if I because I, I like google imaged like the costume designs for a lot of these shows I was looking at eight MMOs and some of the pictures like side by side you could see the difference between like Willie Mammoth and Broadway it's like night and day especially okay. like even like Peach's outfit okay um I think with eight MMO it's so cool because for a lot of these a lot of them are wearing the same or similar costumes for the whole show. Inomo has to dress each actor for each different character for each different sketch. Yeah, because they play multiples. And they're so distinctive in, in in the way that, like, you don't recognize the actor anymore because they're so, like, enveloped, A, from their acting oh. abilities, but also the fact that they're dressed so well that they're such distinct characters throughout the show. So that was the same in the DC production. It might, not, might have looked better, but it was the same concept. Yeah. Know? When the girls went from... Um, Real Housewives to, to prison outfits like yep. there's a stark difference and you can see the 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 thought behind it. yeah so yeah so personally I would give it to Enomo. However, since the Tonys don't have a puppetry category, puppetry goes into costumes, which is why Life what? Of Pi, which is why Life of Pi has three nominees. They've had so many shows that had puppets in it, and I'm and I don't even know that many shows. Yeah, and like, it's like sometimes, like for King Kong, they gave a special Tony for it, and so. There's, but there's like so there's been so many Avenue Q, Little Mermaid. I think it's because so like those were all in different years. I think it's because the there's not enough. There's not enough in a single season to qualify having like an entire category for it. You know what I mean? Because I think realistically, there's like only one play that utilized puppets. So it's like how it's so it's well, it's but tough. you can make the category very vast, like very very vast. Yeah. And... So Life of Pi is going to win because puppets are in costume, and the puppetry for Life of Pi is obviously incredible. Insane. Um. So I'm pretty pretty sure Life of Pi is going to take this one as well. Um. Not mad at it though. Fat ham. I would look out for as like a dark horse if they do like really well throughout the night I think they could upset here um just because the costumes are amazing the way they do the ghost and just like their general outfits at the picnic like it just it really really fits the characters and then of course the finale yeah. is just like spectacular mm -hmm. so um but I, I do think this is pretty almost certainly life of pies okay to lose I agree all right. Uh, next, lighting design of a play. We have a whopping seven nominees, so buckle up. We have Neil Austin for Leopold Stadt, Natasha Chivers for Prima Facie, John Clark for A Doll's House, Bradley King for Fat Ham, Tim Lutkin for Life of Pi, Jen Schreiber for Death of a Salesman, and Ben Stanton for A Christmas Carol. Now, despite there being seven nominees here, I've only seen one of these shows. <laughs> I know that we really suck. I thought we saw a bunch of plays. We did. Well, when we get to the higher up categories, like the above the line stuff, that's where like we're really okay. we saw them. So we saw a lot of plays. I'm pretty sure. Um. So life of pie. It's hard because lighting. Life of pie. <laughs> it's tough because I think it. I think life of pies. 
spectacle relies more on projection than lighting itself. I know, I was just, I was just continuing the trend. Um, I do think it's a high contender. It won the Outer Critics. Prima Facie took the drama desk. Um, I have Fat Ham in that mix because the lighting is absolutely insane. What what you what you showed me, what you told me, yeah, yeah, especially like during the especially during uh, Juicy's karaoke moment with Creep. I'm a creep. Mm. Um, it was it was amazing. It really was, and all of it was great. Um, Bradley King, who did that design, actually is a previous winner for. Town and Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812. So, oh, so they really do recycle. Oh yeah, people. and just just wait till we get to lighting design of a musical. Um, Are we pissed? Maybe I don't know, oh, but um, this one's hard. No, it's not. We know it's going to win. <sighs> they could, and I say this lightly, they could be lazy and just like kind of give Life of Pi, like, the stuff across the board in Scenic because it's not, it's nowhere, well, it's in direction, but it's nowhere else above the line. Um, so they could just say, okay, Life of Pi is our, our technical winner for everything. Is that you think's going to happen? I don't know, and there's seven nominees, so it's so hard. Pick two. I'm um, doing Lay for Pie, and I'm gonna shoot for Fat Ham because I was pissed I didn't go see it. I'm gonna I'm say excited to see it when it comes to DC. Yeah, I'm gonna say the same too. I'm gonna say it's between Lay for Pie and Fat Ham. Boom! I'm a smart guy. You are a smart guy. You kill. All right, moving on. Featured it's, actor in a play. I, am I getting excited or is it getting hot in here? Both, bitch. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> All right, so for featured actor in a play, we have Jordan E. Cooper for Ain't No Mo, Samuel L. Jackson for The Piano Lesson, Arian Moayed for A Doll's House, Brandon Uranowitz for Leopold Stadt, and David Zayas for Cost of Living. Okay, so I only saw one. I'm pretty confident that Brandon Uranowitz is going to win this for Leopold Stadt. Um, did you read that one yet? No. I do have to read that one before Sunday, which I probably will with the flights that I have this week for work. Oh, he's traveling. <laughs> he's, I'm a traveling corporate oh. gal. Um, That's fine. Had, I'm going to play with the cat all week. Um, Brandon Uranowitz has had one of the cleanest acting sweeps of the year so far, and I think it's an example where, like, the momentum and the hype is there. It's a part that's, like, the most award-baity part of the production, too. Okay. So I think it's his to lose for sure. Um, I will say, Jordan E. Cooper was so incredible as Peaches in Ain't Like, truly... That was the same Peaches, right? No, it wasn't. So this one was the one who wrote the show. Oh, so they, they were feeling that shit. Yeah. yeah okay. And, like, I, I would give it to him, because Ain't not going to win Best Play, but I would give him the win as, like, the win of, like, thank you for creating this and giving a spectacular performance along with it. Period. Um, I would say watch out for Arian Moayed as well, if A Doll's House does, like, because I already have it winning, like, a couple of them. Yeah, so, it could carry that momentum, and Jessica Chastain is campaigning very hard, not only for herself, but him as well. I'll give so, her that, that, that bitch knows how to subtly campaign. Yeah. For that Oscar, that bitch was on, t and a bitch with it, with all due respect, of course. Um, was on TikTok, rocking it out, yep. doing the trends, yep. and, and, and... We're doing it with such grace and like power mm -hmm. and 
And I've always loved Jessica, but like I have such a respect and admiration for her. As not only a human, just like a presence as a celebrity, and she she's cornered the marketing campaigning, yeah, not aggressively, but very very like yes. What's the word? Consistent. She's yes. very consistent. Hold these thoughts because we will dive in so deep when we get to lead actress with this. I think Brandon is the one to beat for sure for lead feature, Fulton. yeah, and for feature actor in a play. Number two. Jordan E. Cooper, just because. What about what about wait? Cost living was in that mix. Yes. Hold on, we like we saw cost of living. We did. What makes you think he's not a contender? I actually, you know what? To be honest, the 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 women of the show were way more memorable. Well, and I'm upset that Greg Mazgala didn't get in. Okay, nomination deserved when there's others that are more... Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. And okay. I, so yeah, so my number two for sure is Jordan E. Cooper, without a doubt. All right. Um, at the moment, so. But yeah, Brandon Uranowitz, I think it's his. Congrats, Brandon. Um, moving on to featured actress in a play, we have Nikki Crawford for Fat Ham, Crystal Lucas Perry for Ain't No Mo, Miriam Silverman for The Sign in Sydney Brewstein's Window, Katie Sullivan for Cost of Living, and Kara Young for Cost of Living. Go and talk about the other ones, and then we'll talk about cost of living. Oh, my God. This category, this is dreadful for me. I've seen four out of five of them, and I really you, don't even know what I want. You used the word nauseous when you talked about it last time. You're like, I'm nauseous about... Yeah, like, it's... Uh, like, the four I saw, I could make a case for any of them to win. You know, like... Crystal Lucas Perry was like as soon as Anomo opened it was like give her the tony award like without a doubt from everybody and having seen it yeah like the emotional like spectrum that she was able to encompass in that performance was just incredible Anomo does have that that for itself is the diversity of acting that, that gave its actors yeah and some of them like i'd say a couple of them lived within like a shorter spectrum she truly like lived from was one she the one on the floorboards yes okay yeah and, <laughs> okay, she, okay. and she's the one who has the devastating monologue in the prison sketch um, which housewife was she I don't know. Did okay? Did one of them in DC have a British accent randomly? No, but okay, I love so, it. So she literally gave this bitch a fake British yeah. accent. I don't know if it was like the Dorit Kemsley of it all, yeah. but like she started piping up a little bit and like she was kind of quieter, but she had a British accent out of nowhere. And it's like, I think she picked out these little random things to make herself stand out so much, even when she wasn't like the focus, because that character is not the focus of the the Housewives sketch. reunion yeah, sketch. Yeah. Um, and like she was just incredible she was the news reporter in the abortion clinic one and like oh, even though oh she doesn't gosh. do that okay. much she was so just captivating and yeah. but cost of living ripped my fucking soul out and then threw it back in my chest and both carrie young and katie sullivan i would be thrilled to see win because katie sullivan was delivering a performance that like like i've never seen before because she has to encompass this mindset of like trauma that she just experienced that puts her in her physical condition that she's in and she's like so like i've rarely seen an actor who can like spit fire words that literally sting you know what it reminded me of yeah. julie white and potus like the ferocity of the oh, way she can yeah. speak it gave me that vibe but then she's also so funny so devastating she has the scene where she almost drowns that was just like you flip shit it was 
it, she was, Katie Saul was amazing. But then you have Carrie Young, who has such, like, a subtle, nuanced performance, but is just so, like, every little thing that she does is so incredible. And, like... The most natural performance I've seen on stage yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Like, so effortless, and the actress knew the character, and represent... Oh, yeah, it was just effortless. Yeah. Yep. All the delivery. And then Nikki Crawford was amazing in Fat Ham, and, you know, she... Because she, as the mother in this show, she's kind of a villain in a way, just because in the sense that, like, she really kind of neglects her son for the situation she's in in the moment, but she, you also root for her a lot because she makes it herself so likable mm. and so entertaining and so charming. And then she has, like, a meltdown at the end, you know, it, it, so she was super impressive. And then Miriam Silverman is out here winning awards. Um, she won the drama desk. For what show? The Sign in City, Brucine's Window. Then, you know, they last second brought it to Broadway when Room got canceled. And, um, the James Earl Jones Theater was open. Mm -hmm. So they were like, alright, we have like two weeks, but we're gonna, we're gonna go do it. They did two nights previews and opened the last night they could for Tony eligibility. Simba. You know, and everyone was like, oh, Rachel Brosnahan and Oscar Isaac. Like, Tony, Tony, Tony. But, like, neither of them got nominated, but this, you know... Miriam did, who's apparently just a total scene stealer in the show. There you go. Uh, I want either the cost of living girls to win. I'm between personally Crystal Lucas Perry and Katie Sullivan. I'd be thrilled if they tied because they're such different performances. Does Toad do Tony's um, do ties? It has to like literally land on an even tie, basically. Okay. Um. So. I think Crystal Lucas Perry is going to do it for Ain't No Mo, just because not only did Ain't No Mo defy the odds by getting one, two, three, four, five, six, six Tony nominations, despite it was only open for like, what, three weeks? What? Yeah. Was it even a month? I, it might have barely been a month with those little extensions they kept getting, but Lucky managed to get, and, and actually in comparison, cost of living too, but that was just a scheduled limited run. Um, yeah. and that closed in the fall and, but anyway, so for Ain't No Mo, the fact that they managed to overcome the shortness of their run, the other interesting thing too is for voters, they have to have, they could only have missed one performance in a category or like one, one category nomination in order to be able to vote in that category. Okay. What's tricky about this one is we have three for two shows that had very short runs and closed very early. So there's the worry that people, if people didn't see Cost of Living, I don't know if they're not able to vote since there's two nominees, but um, if a lot of people miss both Cost, both cost of Living and Ain't No Mo because of um, how short the runs were, they can't vote. So it's it's so interesting. I'm so excited and like terrified to see what's gonna happen. Okay. Um, I do think it's gonna be Crystal Lucas Perry though. Okay, I'm saying it right now. So we will see. All right, moving on to lead actor in a play, we have 
Yaya Abdul-Mateen for Top Dog Underdog, Corey Hawkins for Top Dog Underdog, Sean Hayes for Goodnight Oscar, Stephen McKinley-Henderson for Between Riverside and Crazy, and Wendell Pierce for Death of a Salesman. So, I think it's a tight race between Stephen McKinley-Henderson and Sean Hayes. Um, Corey Hawkins could be like an upset just because there is he's campaigning, there's a lot of hype about his performance and just like Top Dog Underdog in general. But... Realistically, I think it's a tight race between Steven and Sean. I think Sean has the upper hand right now because the show's still running and people are just lauding over it, saying it's like, you know, such a turn of character for him in terms of what he's done before and what he's doing right. now in this role. He he is the show, you know, and while Steven's the lead of Between Riverside, he's not necessarily like the show. No. You know, it's a bit more of an ensemble piece. So Sean. I think it's going to be Sean. Um, I'm hearing that... To not count out Steven, because at, like, other award ceremonies and industry events, Steve, like, everyone is talking about Steven. And he won two different Lifetime Achievement Awards this year um, at other award ceremonies. So, like, he's he's hot on everyone's mind. So, but I do, th I do think it's going to end up going to Sean Hayes. Very deserved, as well, because I, personally, I absolutely adored him on, on the stage and thought he was absolutely incredible. So. Okay. That's where I'm at right now. Okay, lead actress in a play. Our nominees are Jodie Comer for Prima Facie, Jessica Chastain for A Doll's House, Jessica Heck for Summer 1976, and Audra McDonald for Ohio State Murders. This is like a bloodbath. As soon as Prima Facie was announced to come to Broadway, it was immediately like Jodie Comer's going to win the Tony. Like, there's no doubt. And she did it in the West End, won the Olivier and everything, but like. The, the there's been a slow burn support and momentum for Jessica Chastain and I think just like she's on such a good arc right now coming off of her Oscar win going in with possible Emmy contention for um not Pam and Tommy the other one um George and Tammy whatever it is um oh yeah yeah I'm talking about yeah and so I think she has such like a good career moment right now that it could go to her she's campaigning really hard and she's great in the show, from what I understand. But then Jodie Comer, everyone is just saying it's a once-in-a-lifetime type of performance that, like, is just undeniably 100% fantastic. I'm reading Prima Facie right now. And just from what I'm reading, like, if one person, like, you, you truly read it and think that, like, there should be a dozen people on stage. So if one person is conveying that successfully, then, yeah, I think, like... It's a moment, yeah. So I do, I do think it's going to end up being Jodie. Um... And talking about precursors, Jessica has won all of them, but it's because Jody has been considered in solo performance, which the Drama Desk and the Outer Critics do. So she's won the solo performance awards while Jessica has been winning in lead act, leading performance because they're non-gendered now for Drama Desk and Outer Critics. Okay. Um. So, but I do, I do think it's gonna be Jody Comer, at the end of okay. the day. I hope we get some play performances at this Tony's. Now that they can't do anything scripted, you know. Yeah. I hope they're able to highlight the plays through some of the scenes. performances. Yeah. All right. Direction of a play. We've got Sahim Ali for Fat Ham, Joe Bonney for Cost of Living, Jamie Lloyd for A Doll's House, Patrick Marber for Leopold Stadt, Stevie Walker Webb for Ain't No Mo, and Max Webster for Life of Pi. We got six nominees in here. 
So, having seen th one, two, three of these, I'm very stuck. Um, here's the hard thing. The, the signs all point to Patrick Marber for Le Leopold Stadt just because Leopold Stadt is likely to be, like, the big winner of the night. However, and this is what gets hard about play and that people think they should split it up into play right and play production. Because people think it's awful direction of a brilliant, brilliantly written play. Um, so a lot of folks really, really don't want him to win, but he's been getting some of the precursors and it's kind of hard to know how the voting body is going to feel. Um, I think this is somewhere where Fat Ham could pull off a surprise win um, for Sahim Ali, just because of the brilliance of the direction of Fat Ham. Jamie Lloyd, um, like I said, he's the only revival director here. And, you know, everyone is... There are people who despise A Doll's House, but love what Jamie Lloyd did with it and actually enjoyed the production. Okay. So, that's a toughie. Um... I would pick Giovanni for Cost of Living. Here's why. Um, the amount of intense intimacy required between the characters for that show yeah. um, was insane. You know, they have to bathe each other. They have to have very, like, difficult and awkward conversations and encounters with each other. Like, just the intimacy direction that went into that alone is so noteworthy for me. And the way that she told the story, you know, was just really impressive to me, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Max Webster could pull it off for Life of Pi just for creating such a visual spectacle. So I think that could be an upset, too. I don't know if I have a choice on what will win yet for this. Okay. All right. And finally, for the plays, we have our nominees for Best Play, which are Ain't No Mo, written by Jordan E. Cooper, Between Riverside and Crazy, written by Stephen Adley Gurgis, Cost of Living, written by Martina Mayock, Fat Ham, written by James Imes, and Leopold Stadt, written by Tom Stoppard. So, I think this is easy. Leopold Stadt is probably going to win. Um, has every single precursor, and that type of thing is just really hard to overcome. Now, granted, quite a few of these productions, Fat Ham, Cost of Living, Between Riverside and Crazy, had off-Broadway, and Ain't No Mo, had off-Broadway lives that made them sort of ineligible for that some of those precursors go against Leipoldstadt. Um, but if we look at history with best play winners, Clybourne Park in 2012 is the last play that won best play for the Tony without any precursor wins. Um, and it's also the last Pulitzer Prize winning play to win best play. So, keeping in mind that we have three Pulitzer Prize winning plays in this category this year, which is the most ever. Whichever one. Between Riverside and Crazy, Cost of Living, and Fat Ham. So, there is opportunity for one of those shows to possibly upset. And if it's any of them, I think it's going to be Fat Ham. Um, what saddens me, and again, I need to re-Leopold re that, and I didn't see it, but... I've just heard that although it's a spectacular story, it's not necessarily as, like, invigorating and, like, new and fresh as, like, some of these other plays were. You know, arguably that, like, Ain't No Mo, Fat Ham, and 
cost of living were. Um, and the other sad thing is too with Leopold Stadt, Tom Stoppard, it, that's the other thing that I think helps the hype for it to win is that he's a previous winner in, in best play. Um, what's sad is the other four are all first time Tony, Tony nominees. So for me, it would be so cool to award it to somebody, you know, who's a fresh face. But yeah, for me, I'm in terms of like what my should win is, um, I'm very torn on Fat Ham and Cost of Living just because they made me feel very different things, but both done so brilliantly. I think realistically, Fat Ham is the most likely that could pull an upset here for sure. It's the only other show still running, and I think it's like the next best kind of acclaimed of all of them. Ooh. So, so what you think and want? Are you doing it for this one? I'm Fat Ham and Cost of Living. I truly can't decide between the two of them. Does your, my but that's what you think? Oh, what you want? My wine. Yeah, think label chat. I okay. think it's. I think it's definitely going to be that. Yeah. So. But hoping for an upset, but we'll see. We'll so. see. All right, that's it for the plays. We're gonna take a short break, and then we'll be back to talk about musicals. Ooh. And we're back, and it is time to talk about the musical categories. So we are starting off with sound design of a musical. The nominees are. Kai Harada for New York, New York, Scott Lair and Alex Newman for Into the Woods, Gareth Owens for, or I'm sorry, Gareth Owen for Anne Juliet, John Shivers for Chucked, and Nevin Steinberg for Sweeney Todd. So having seen four of these, what, and because of the fact that everyone is shocked Sweeney Todd got in, so we can basically count that out, what do you think between New York, New York, Into the Woods, Chucked, and Anne Juliet? What is the category again? Sound. Hmm. I don't. What do you? What, oh, do you, you already have opinions. You you start, and I will okay. dive in. So, a I'm shocked. Some like a hot isn't here. Um, it's like one of the only places it missed, and we talked about it in our review. But the fact that they were able to tie in the taps for it. Oh yeah. Okay. And yeah. make everything so like crystal clear. I'm I'm surprised it's not here. But. I think Into the Woods has a really good shot here, and it actually might be the only place where it wins. They, it, it, I mean, it has... So sound, to me, is not only just sound effects. It's like microphones and how clear they are and how the music is used and, you know, all that in Into the Woods. When I think about all these shows, Into the Woods had elements that were driven by sound, whether it was the Giants mm -hmm. or the Giant and the... Um, uh, Into the Woods couldn't rely on a set because you know the, the whole orchestra was on stage right so it had to lean on and not even there was not a lot of lighting and it. it was just lit there right. was a lot of so really had to rely heavy on sound so i think yeah you're right it, it there was so much thought behind it yeah again you know it was a minimalistic production so like similar to doll's house the sound better be good if you're not doing a lot for my eyes yeah um and agreed, where, you know, sound, you have to look at two parts. You have to look at sound design, which is, like, what sounds a sound designer wants to incorporate into it, and then sound mixing, which is how good the sound coming out actually is and how yep. it's conveying the message of the story. And I think the fact that Into the Woods had that full orchestra on stage, not concealed within a pit, and they were able to balance out the orchestration so well with the vocals. Sondheim shows are dangerous because if the sound design is bad... You, it's a lot of words to miss, but yes. in that show, you heard every single fucking word. You did. 
crystal clear, balanced well with the orchestra, mm -hmm. and there was even some sound effect stuff, like, you know, when it came to the giant and everything, like yeah. you said. Um, it does have the drama desk win, so, you know, as a precursor possibility, it's, it's in people's minds, but it's also the only show in this category no longer running, so it does have that kind of going against it. Right. Um... I feel like New York, New York is probably the biggest upset potential. Interesting. And we talked about it in our review where what New York, New York did was like the effects side where like, you know, as soon as you go in, you feel like you're in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah, they had the subway running and... And then like during the show, they incorporated different like sounds of the city really well. Yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. So, I am... Thinking what? I'm hoping for an Into the Woods win, and I do think they're going to pull it off. Yeah, I think I, I think and I want Into the Woods. Awesome. Just because I don't remember the sound, the power of the sound, and the others as much. Mm -mm. I'm even shocked. I'm trying to think when they really used it. No, and I'll even say for, like, sound mixing, we we were up in the um, mezzanine. We couldn't hear that well. I couldn't hear that I well. I could not. Yeah, I was a little annoyed. I struggled a little bit. And having not, not knowing the show whatsoever... It's like, it's the first time I'm hearing the words, and I feel like I missed quite a few. Yeah, so. true. All right. Okay, In the Woods. In the oh. Woods. Mm. Oh. Subtle plug. Subtle. I mean, yeah, really subtle, because we were doing a Broadway thing, and it was the first one in there. <laughs> it was that or Lion King, and that didn't make too much sense. Um, all right, scenic design of a musical. We have Beowulf Borat for New York, New York. Mimi Lian for Sweeney Todd, Michael Jurgen in 50, and 59 Productions for Camelot, Scott Pask for Shucked, and Scott Pask for Some Like It Hot. All right. Can you turn it so I can see a little more? Yeah. Um, and where's Scenic? Right here. Okay, because we're going to talk about them. All of them. Because we've seen all of them. Except for Sweeney. Oh. Mm. What, what, what did they do? Did they do anything special? Have you heard? Let's talk I don't about know. Um, there's people who love it, people who hate it. Um, I think there's a lot of... I hear, like, there's bridges involved in stuff that people think are, like, as effective, but some people think that's boring and a cop-out. But, I mean, they have the whole thing with, like, you know, the traps that have to work for the, the chair disposal of mm -hmm. the victims and everything. And, yeah. Um, so I think they have potential there, but I don't I don't think it's, like, the front-runner at the moment. He's bumping and biting my leg. Our cat is begging for attention oh, right now. Bella. We're talking about Sondheim stuff, and Sondheim wants to be a part of it. So he say hello, Sondheim. Does. He's a baby. You get your attention. Um, so, I do think New York, New York is almost a certain win. Um, it's one of those oh, ones yeah. that's swept all the precursors. And it is undeniably, like, the most impressive in terms of they did the most. They did, I mean, what we talked about it in the New York, New York, you know, the, the depth perception of it, the forced perspective, the sitting there, um, looking at how they built the set, which was, um, the guy that, the person who, who, who the same person that did POTUS? Yes. So, it's that whole, like, you know, elongated optical illusion, which takes a lot of effort all theaters are different so it's mm -hmm. not like he, you really have to sit there and see how it works so that takes some time um yeah see, what's the other one because the other one yes um shucked some like a hot and camelot shucked was great to look at but it was really reliant didn't move a lot it was the background of the barn yeah um the tampa roll-ons were great and, and worked but like when it came to um 
it's like New York, New York shocked, right? So they both did, were very effective. I think New York did that one step above. What do you think? Agreed. What I, the one thing I always think about with shocked is how they make the corn die and come back to life. Oh, okay. I want to know how they did that. Um, oh, what Camelot? Simplistic. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes underrated. There was the moment when they removed all of that sheet. That was the snow. Yep. So simple. So effective. The garden gates. How they would weave in and out of them. Yes. Simple. Effective. Agreed. And I have it on here as like we need to talk about it because it was so impressive. Um, and yeah, it's simplistic, but it was it, like you said, simplistic but effective. Um, I constantly think about the like the castle walls there yep. and like how the characters have to like weave in and out and like you said and it was cool like what they did with lusty month of may with like the flower maple pole. the maple maple is that what it's called mm. thank Mid-thong. you for thong. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do one eventually we just gotta get to the woods yeah um yeah so and then like for me new york new york is the most complete what I mean by that is, like, when you look at some like it hot, and we talked about it in the review, like, it's very high school-esque sets, but, like, elevated, where, like, it's rolling doors and some stuff. Some like it and hot? Yeah. Oh, no, we can fight on that. But, like, with New York, New York, it's, like, they, I, I think about constantly that stoop that they, that they, um, bring out. Like, it literally just looks like a stoop to a row home. Right, okay, like, yes. you know, it's, it's so literal and it's so complete where it's, there's like no, you don't have to have an illusion to what's there. It's literally just there. And that's what goes into what I mean when the, when the, when the, when the people sat and designed it, they literally probably sat in that audience and really thought of everything. So, um, should we do want or need? Or what do you need? I need it to win. What's, what are yours? What's your want to win? Mmm. The underdog in me is like Camelot, but the reality of that is not true. My one might be something like it hot. I think it's just because of that fucking train. Train. That train blew my mind. The, the, also when you're able to take the set and make it part of choreography, I think that's, I don't care if it's the high school doors. It's effective. I think I want some like a hot to win. Yeah. But I do think New York, New York's going to win. Now, but I also think it's deserving as well. I do too. I I have want for New York, New York. And then also, for me personally, the ending with the pit coming out. All right. Yeah. It still blows my mind because for a minute I was like, wait, how much more of the show? Am I not going to see anything? Right. And it's also like, oh my God, or that are, was are the, we at the play that goes wrong? That was the moment where I fully panicked because my feet were pushed against the yeah. The wall. Yeah. So it was like, I thought the wall was going down. Yeah. I f- fully panicked because I was like front row. Everybody seeing the shock. The shock value for ha- having not knowing that was coming was like cool. makes it worth it for me too. Yeah. All right. So you want in thing thing New York. New York. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we've got costume design of a musical. Yeah. We have six nominees, and they are Greg Barnes for Some Like It Hot, Sophia Choi and Clint Ramos for K-pop, Susan Hilferty for Parade. Jennifer Moeller for Camelot, Paloma Young for And Juliet, and Donna Zakowska for New York, New York. I love a costume. I live for Halloween's my favorite time of year. I love, fucking love a costume. I'm going to need to see the list. Yes. Wait, can you share the screen? To? Like, two, two? Oh, yeah, yeah. That might be really smart. And put put that one on the left. This one? No, actually, you're fine. I okay. can read it because I have great eyes. Um, 
so. But where, where's costume? Right here. Okay. Oh, we haven't seen K, I haven't seen K-pop. It's the only one we missed on this list. Okay. Um, can you tell me or explain to me? Is it very K-pop? Ask being like they're dressed as K-pop stars. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Not probably not the most inventive costumes. That's that's, that's, that's that safe to say. It's accurate. It's I'd very say. streetwear. It's very. Um, A lot of it did look kind of. There were some elegant moments, I think, for sure. Okay. All right. Um, but if we're comparing it to the other shows, first of all, K-pop getting it's so dope. Yes. The love of K-pop was very strong and i'm so sad we missed it and when we were in new york we both said let's go see it and we would have, i don't know what we saw instead but we made the very bad choice of not seeing it yeah um so i'm very happy it's in and that's recognized mm -hmm. i'm not being sad new york new york period period piece and it's on point when it comes to the period it's not super duper flashy but attention to detail was amazing you know i i can think of so many things like about the flowers and Anna's hair, cold mm -hmm. bracelet, um, the fascinators of some of the the women dancers, the train conductors, and the, um, or the, were they, what were they? Yeah, they mm -hmm. were, were they? Yeah. Yeah, because they were in the station, so, but they're all, were they, were they, like, extravagant? Not really, but they're so perfect for the time period. Yeah. What do you think about New York, New York? Um, I agree. It's, it's the least memorable thing about the show for me but honestly it was, it, but it was perfect it was spot on but let's talk about uh um and juliet talk about and juliet because i think your narrative is i okay so okay well first and foremost i may i may love and juliet i think there needs to be space on broadway that doesn't take itself too seriously i think there's space in broadway where we can have just fun and feel and like love the songs and live for the camp and and get deep but not too deep because i'm not taking away from angela yet there was moments where you were like wow like one thing that always plays in my head especially because it's pride month is the moment when anne hathaway tells shakespeare about may's um gender and sexuality like, yeah. your business dude yeah. you calm the fuck down so like it angela does have those moments and i think they do it really well but it is it's a fun show the costume design I'm a massive fan of period pieces, right? Like, especially Shakespeare, like, you know, Bolin, like, all those. Europe royalty, it's my vibe. The costume design was able to take all, all of that, all of what was happening with Shakespeare, your, your collars and your corsets and your um, pantaloons, like, everything, and make... Every character had a costume that you knew was dated, right? They were all old-timey costumes. But they had a fucking New York flair in particular. Mm -hmm. That were so edgy and contemporary and, like, things where I was like, I wear that, I wear that, I wear that. You know what I mean? So it was the perfect balance, especially with the show. The show is a bunch of songs that we've all listened to on the radio about a show that's old as fuck. And that a lot of generation, my generation barely was hanging on to Shakespeare. Like, I, I, I couldn't stand it half the time. Like, it was too much. So, I think what Angelina did with its writing, they did with the costumes. Mm -hmm. Bring fucking life to something so dated. Yeah, totally. And it's totally valid. Now, with that being said. Shut up. Something like I I'm think, well, so my pick is Camelot. No Hold on. Controversial. Wait, we got to talk about other ones. Well, we will. Oh, okay. well, let's talk about Parade. Because that's similar. Where oh, it's, it's dated. It's, 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 it's so accurate. Yeah. And what I... 
having it because of like the the color and everything of the set everyone was in such like neutral brownish tones yeah that it fits so well and everyone just like it, it all just looked so accurate like you know? new york new york it was period correct those costume designers deserve that nod of like i thought i stepped into the the um decades that they took place yeah in. but then we see shows like and juliet came on and someone like hot and you're like costume you know yeah. what i mean like thought yeah. costumes yeah like for me so my one pick is camelot no doubt because really? i i cannot stop thinking about those costumes um for everyone the way they made like knight armor look chic so chic um so chic the way everything <laughs> philippa sue was wearing as Guinevere had me just like drooling, you know. So chic. Andrew Burnap's ass and every pair of pants he had on. So chic. So chic. That's a housewife reference, really quick. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you Get better educated. Google it. Um, so for it's Camelot. It's just it, it was so clean, it perfect. It it was like it was like sexy Camelot almost, you know. You, you know how I talk about like Angelina like period pieces. Camelot gave us period pieces in a such elegant way, and I think of um, Guinevere. Um, what's the actress's name? Velvet Sue. Yeah, her velvet dresses. Yeah. The way they dragged on the floor. Yeah. yeah. All, all the armor and stuff, but even like um, uh, Morgan. Morgan's the witch, the scientist. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Her outfit, like, everything was so character-driven and spot-on. So, yeah. I could see Camelot and be very happy with Camelot win, but... It's gonna be someone, like, hot, I'm pretty sure. Are you, so, it, it, it's great costumes. Yes, they are, it is. It's, it's, it, it's standard musical theater. It's suits and, and... Glitz, glam, Broadway, like, it's... And it gives... And it's so much... Everyone is changing so often. There's so many costumes, and like yeah. 98% of the costumes are spectacular. And you go from your masculine presenting to your your feminine presenting, which yeah. is like there's so many layers to that show. Like, and it's like because the Tonys doesn't have like wigs and makeup separated either. Like that all kind of falls. Oh, into, they all do it. Yeah. Okay, with you saying that, some like a Han. Yeah, yeah. Because Camelot was 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 they, there wasn't a lot of no it was all costumes no makeup yeah and so for that I do think some like a hog gets the edge I have to say I still hate the fucking outfits that the full band had on in those two scenes really? the, the blue ones and the pink ones hated them can't relate I digress I do think it's gonna be some like a hog who do you so want Camelot I want Angelia and I think okay who do you think some like a hot some like a hot yeah okay. yeah definitely. All right, moving on. Lighting design of a musical. We have six nominees again, and the nominees are Ken Billington for New York, New York, uh, Lap Chi Chu for Camelot, Heather Gilbert for Parade, Howard Hudson for Anne Juliet, Natasha Katz for Some Like It Hot, and Natasha Katz for Sweeney Todd. Now, Natasha Katz has so many Tony Awards, I don't even know how many it is, because she's one of like the most renowned lighting designers in New York. Cute, great. Can you at least give one other? Like, you can be in the category and just give it to somebody else, too. Yeah. Like, um, so I think right now it's very tight between New York, New York, and Sweeney Todd. Wait, okay. Can you, um, what is it? Lighting. So, again, oh, we've seen, okay. we've seen everything opinion. but Sweeney. Okay, Sweeney. You think they're going to win? Um, I think they have a very good shot. Wait. In terms of technical elements, I've heard that the lighting is the most impressive for that show. Okay. Um, I could see it. 
It's kind of horror genre. And again, with such a renowned designer doing it, I'm sure it's excellent. Same designer that did Some Like It Hot. Um, Which was great. Yeah. The moments in Some Like It Hot when Adriana um, Sugar was singing and the way it hit her dress was beautiful. Um, when they were in Mexico, that scene with the lighting fixtures come down is great. Um, the, the, the hits and the spots on the characters during that show were pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And this might be Sweeney's only win of the night. This actually, I think this is the only win I have going to Sweeney right oh, now. Oh, you think you're what, so? Let's wait. Hold on. Let's talk about other people. Parade, Parade did some dope things with light. That scene with the three girls accusing mm -hmm. um, Leo his like that moment when they're going in slow motion. That light is like it's it's harsh. It's aggressive. It's down. It's which is probably actually what Sweeney did too. Now that I'm thinking. Yeah, I wish we could have seen it, but goddamn, it's so fucking expensive. So, yeah. probably so, not to my birthday. But Parade did some really cool things. There was moments where I would gasp and be like, and it was based on the lighting. Mm -hmm. um, what's another one? No, we're fighting this right real quick. Camelot. Camel did great things with lighting. Mm -hmm. So, like, cold for the most part, but the then, like, during, during, like, Maypole, it was so... Oh, yeah, the backlit stuff? The yeah, back yeah, When they came up, and they were looking for Guinevere, like... yeah. Uh, Camelot, I think, is the definition of understated, but, like, with such power. I have Camelot as my should win. Oh, for this wait, well. so what else is there? Angeliette. Right? I don't remember the lighting for Angeliette. Angeliette had projections, but you said that goes with... Scenic. Scenic. They had fun filters. I know there was pink, a lot of pink hues, I remember. Um, not only, you had the, the Juliet sign, too. Um, it, 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 it was very uh, club-esque, you know frantic and fast mm -hmm. so i don't know if it was used as much it didn't coincide with the set as much as oh sure, sure, other, sure one, yeah. other lighting did which i think sometimes is how i think it's best used it was more used as a concert angela can be can feel like that sometimes mm -hmm. so so who do you want camelot you want camelot i do just because it's, it's another thing that i remember like so much about that production right I mean, New York, New York does have that sunset moment going for it when it comes to lighting. Yes. So I do think New York, New York is up there as a threat, too. Because, like, it, they backlit us, and I was like, don't turn, you're in the front row, don't turn around, there's right. 100 people looking forward. Literally. Um, you know what? And they used to make, they used to make different seasons, they made you feel the seasons. Yeah. But again, because, like, the snow and stuff, Projections. Oh, yeah. So that's scenic. You know? Well, they also use, I'm, I'm assuming they use filters. Filters and stuff too. Yeah, totally. More filters. I think my want, and I only, I'm only going to say this because of, and, and, and by the way, Parade and Something Like a Hot are what I want. That moment with those three girls in that factory scene fucked me up so much, and lighting was a massive part. It was lighting, it was acting. Those, those girls, yeah. that fucking moment was insane. Um, so I think. I'm going to want Parade, because I think Parade was able to take set, costume, lighting, acting, singing, and make them all side by side, mm -hmm. which I have high respect for. So I'm going to say, I want Parade. Okay. And who do you think? Um, only because you said it, Sweeney Todd, but if I didn't see Sweeney Todd, let's say it didn't exist in the category, who do I think is going to win? And I don't know why I'm going to say this, but like my gut would be like, it would be New York, New York. Okay. That moment, that moment with the sunset really is like... 
a memorable, powerful moment. Mm -hmm. Especially with the characters looking at us. And we had we had Anna like right Anna right in front of us. It was pretty intense. So. Yeah. What would be cool? So if Sweeney won, and with what with my predictions right now, we'd have four different winners in the tech categories, which I think would be pretty cool. Yeah. Because we'd have Into the Woods winning sound, New York, New York winning scenic, some like a hot winning costume, and Sweeney winning lighting. So okay. I think that'd be a pretty cool spread of the love. I love the spread of the love. If yeah, that would happen. Okay. Next up, we've got orchestrations. So, orchestrations, our nominees are... Orchestrations, again, because I say this all the time and I just need to remember. Orchestrations mm -hmm. is what happens between the scenes. So, I saw a really great description of it. Okay. It's taking the composer's piano book and turning it into instrumentals for the show. So, like, what's on the book, piano-wise, for, like, rehearsals, it's taking that and assigning instruments to it to actually do for the production. I don't know. So, that was a lot of, like... Um, yeah, way to expose that we're using YouTube. That was a lot of, like, jargon I don't understand. It's a lot of, like, musical stuff I don't get. Mm -hmm. So, layman's terms, music that happens before the show, music that happens during the show, music that happens in between scenes, music that happens during songs, or no? Yes. Mm -hmm. so that's not song. That's not song. Okay. Just played music, yeah. Layman's terms. We love it. Now the people that are here and then don't know what's going on know what's going on. Okay. What it's is essentially it? creating a character out of... The music. Okay. With instruments. Boom. That was even dumber down. I loved it. So, in it. nominees are John Clancy for Kimberly Akimbo, uh, Charlie Rosen and Brian Carter for Some Like It Hot, Daryl Waters and Sam Davis for New York, New York, Bill Sherman and Dominic Falacaro for Anne Juliet, and Jason Howland for Shot. So, I, I dug deep into this one, and okay. I, have, I have a lot of things I want to talk about quick with this. Well, so, um, do you want to go show by show? Do you want to state all your shit and then I'll just pick up the pieces? State my shit because it doesn't have to do with the show specifically. It's history of this award. Go. And what tends to happen. So, so this award started in 1997. Ever since then, there are three things that happen for how this award gets won. It either goes to the show that wins best score as well. So score and orchestrations are frequently in pair with each other. Mm -hmm. Or it goes to a revival because it, like, reimagined the original production and put, like, new orchestrations to it. Or it goes to a jukebox musical for taking existing music and recreating the instrumentals in a way that so tells a new story. So, could win? So, <laughs> we have no revival, so the revival Fuck that. out. And then, I don't know if Anne Juliet is strong enough to take it, mm -hmm. just because of how strong some of these scores are as well. Yeah. Um... Some Like a Hot is has won all the precursors and it like is winning the score precursors as well. But and we'll get into this because I think Kimberly Kimbo's taking score. So if they do, in that sense, they would also take orchestrations. And I think it would make sense. Um For me, and I was listening to Kimberly Kimbo on the way home from the store today, um, They've created such a different vibe for every character through their orchestrations. I was just about to say, it, there was such character-driven. Like, every, like, the mom has, like, the pizzicato, like, bum, 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 like, stuff when she's, like, recording the videos for the baby. Deborah Bonnie Milligan's character, has, um, all, like, the heavy gospel shit, like, behind hers. Mm -hmm. Um, the dad's is, like, very frantic. And like, Angsty. yes, and like yeah. Kimberly's is all very like angelic, drawn, yeah, drawn, angelic, youthful, like sort of thing. 
Um, and so the way they're able to convey character through orchestrations makes it a top hit for me. They also had really good in between. So there was a, and this, I don't want to cheapen it, but this is the only thing my, my, my brain that is filled with garbage television can do. It's that Hannah Montana, ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They were able to take the emotion prior to the scene and lead it to the next scene with that same emotion. Yeah, so you yeah, were yeah. being flown into the next one. Does that make sense? And so, you're saying Kimberly Kimbo does that. Does that really yeah, well. Yeah. And I, that's what I remember the most is why in my brain, I'm, why I think I want them to win. And it's so impressive too because they create such a variety of sound with such a small pit orchestra, like that small band that's on top of the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that deserves some recognition as well. Um, Something like a hot... I would say its downside is that it's all the same. As well, it's the it, it's the time period. It's that yeah. yeah. And so it's it's fun and it's great, but like, is it as effective as something like Kimberly Kimbo? Their songs were, but their that yeah, that in yeah. between was not. And then Shucked, I have in there as like a possible upset. I don't think it's gonna happen. And like people, I was like, but like someone made country great for Broadway, but like they never go for that. Even with Oklahoma, which completely reimagined Rodgers and Hammerstein's or like score orchestrations yeah. to like a little tiny like acoustical band vibe for this revival couldn't pull it off Town won and won best score you know so that's an example where that was yeah. tied in um so yeah I think I do think this Kimberly Kimbo's and I also want it to be that as well I want Kimberly to win and now that we have talked I think Angelia could win but I really really think Kimberly's gonna win Angelia does some unique stuff it just isn't, like, as effective to me. I'm, but once again, that is a very personal opinion yep. about it. Totally. I'm going to laugh my ass off if they win. You, you get to. <laughs> All right, here we go. Best book of a musical. Book of a musical is the writing, is the, is the, the, the dialogue, the yep. storytelling, correct? Yep. Okay, I'm just doing it for the... So, the nominees release. are... Anne Juliet, written by David West Reed. Kimberly Akimbo, written by David Lindsay Abair. New York, New York, written by David Thompson and Sharon Washington. Shucked, written by Robert Horn. And Some Like It Hot, written by Matthew Lopez and Amber Ruffin. We've seen all those, correct? Every single one. Yep. Okay. Okay. Fuck. What do you think? I want to hear your thoughts first. Oh, shit. All right. Let me go. Let me go step by step. Angeliet, Angeliet is definitely leaning in more to its jukebox than it is. It's writing. It's a re, it, but also reimagining. It, it makes a fresh face of William Shakespeare. So I'm on board. With that being said, not the top. You know what I mean. What else? What else is there? Kimberly Kimbo. Let's just get that one really quick. Okay. New York, New York. Um. It, the show would have been better without a book. <laughs> it was interesting, you know. Like, yeah, I, it was it was a weak book in just a sense of it. I think it was all not not only was it a um, simple character dialogue, but I think it's a story that's been told a lot. And not mm -hmm. saying it doesn't need to be on Broadway, just that it didn't excite me in the way a lot of these other shows did. Some like it hot did excite me. It. Was a movie originally, of course, um, and but what it it, it did a, a movie that probably can't stand up to the times today, and flip it and create a space for comedy where um, what's his name, not Daphne, 
Josephine mm-hmm. is able to have that that uber comedy, that like Mrs. Doubtfire comedy, all that, but at the same time have a great story of you know gender identity and ex- and experiencing it for yourself and the exploration of that. Able to do both of those and do them um, justice and be on board with both was really really good. Oh damn, this is gonna be a hard one. Shucked. Um. I also think it's with Angela. I think it's a simpler of the shows. You know what I mean? I definitely think it's a... Mm, it, okay, I remember watching Shocked and being like, eh, I, this is so much fun, but it is very like ABC 1, 2, 3. And then the end happened when you learn about the big twist. And I was like... Oh, okay. You got me, gal. You got me. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. So, with that being said, but also... It doesn't touch Kimberly Kimbo, which was also based on a play, but heartfelt and fucking funny and genuine and raw and human. And it had all the elements that the all, all the other ones I said that their best parts were. I think Kimberly com- com- had all of it. I liked Kimberly a lot. Yeah. You wrote, you wrote a lot down. I did. I have a lot of thoughts on this one, too. So, just for precursor-wise, Shuck won the Outer Critics. I'm like a hot one, the drama desk. Um, I think this is between Kimberly Kimmo and Shuck. So, my want to win is Shuck. Here's why. It is the only of these five nominations that is a completely original story. And Juliet is interpreted. Kimberly Kimbo is derived from a play. So, I'm like a hot from a movie. New York, New York is roughly from a movie as well. It is the only thing that is truly like someone created a completely original story and executed it to put on a Broadway stage. But does that make it a good, better book? So, it, it can, not always, but I think they also did a, he did a very good job of doing it as well. To like take, make a musical about corn and like have me fully entertained the entire time. Like, but were you entertained by the music and the performances over the dialogue that was being said? No. I can't tell you, because I cannot tell you personally one I know the only things I can vaguely remember were the one-liners, which were used so much that they lost their effectiveness probably about halfway through. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, For me, I love the one-liners, and I thought I thought the story was great. You know, story it story is great. It, I'm not saying it's not, but what I mean by that is like the complex. I don't know if I don't know if it's super complex when it comes to like. Kimberly, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. definitely, and they had a play to lean on, but Shucked had a formula, it uses formally officially, and then it threw us through, threw us through a loophole at the end. Yes. But just, I don't know, I, to say it's original and it deserves it is a little bit of a cop out. And that's fair. And I'm very tight in terms of my want and actually will. Kimberly is really high up there for me. So, I read the play a couple weeks ago. To get an idea of what has changed. And mm-hmm. I made notes of it because I want to talk about it. Um, with Kimberly, for me, it's the way Janine Tesori writes music that really drives that story. Because she writes music like operas where the characters are telling the story through music. Not where it's a typical sing- song book musical where it's like dialogue. Song that doesn't necessarily mean anything about the story. Dialogue, song, sort of thing. It's yeah. truly like her, her score webs in with the story really well. But the book is still very strong. The play is good. So here are the biggest... And this is where I want to give Kimberly Akimbo credit for their book is these big differences that they made from the play to the musical that I think made the musical excellent. 
the addition of the show choir kids. They don't exist in the play. Oh. Do not exist. Um, and I think adding that component to Kimberly Kimbo brought joy to it because overall the play's very like dry and depressing, honestly. Like yeah. there's there's some funny bits in it, but like it's a lot it's a lot more like sad than the musical is. Okay. Um it's a lot more like sad tears than like kinda happy tears that you get in the musical. Um making the ice rink a focal point. So in the play, the ice rink is irrelevant because it's really only at the beginning. They have the scene where Kimberly's getting picked up like three hours late from the ice rink yeah. by her dad. And that's the only time you see it. Okay. Because in the play, Seth works at a burger joint, not at the ice rink. And the whole thing is that they, Seth gets introduced when the dad picks Kimberly up from the ice rink late and they go to the burger joint get food and Seth is working and that's how the whole introduction of his character happens. I think making the skating rink a focal point again brings that sense of like youthfulness and joy to it's it. Small town. It is very small town, that's so true. Yeah. Um and like the way they are able to put like they put the end of act one there with the birthday party and everything, I think it was really, really smart for whoever decided said, Hey, like, we should make this skating rink like our 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 hub like for this show mm. I think it was really smart um in the play Kim's heart attack happens kind of I think earlier I don't necessarily know exactly but it's during a game of trouble and it's after Deb comes and like um they're they're all playing trouble in her room and like each character slowly like the mom the aunt the, like they all slowly come in one after the other they're playing trouble they're having fun then Kim has a heart attack um that's how that happens but you know in the play or in the musical, it happens at that dinner. And I think what they did that was so smart was, you know, Kim talks about how she would, like, love to just have a home-cooked meal at, with her family, like, as a, as a make-a-wish wish. And the fact that they turned that into, like, the, the heart attack scene in the musical and, like, really a big turning point of the show, I think was really smart and effective. Um, the adults are a lot colder in the play, Especially the parents, like, and they, like, seem a lot less redeemable. Where in the musical, I think they're a bit more redeemable. And then, I'm pretty sure this is accurate, but the whole thing with, like, the dad getting the great adventure tickets that are expired doesn't exist in the play. And I think that's, like, a nice, like, you know, little extra gut punch that they added in in the musical. So, I do think there's a lot of valid shit there that I think I'm talking myself into putting Kimberly Kimbo's best book, <laughs> actually, as my want. So... <laughs> And they won awards. Yeah, so the Kimberly Kimba book won the Outer Critics Off-Broadway last year. Um, it wasn't nominated for Drama Desk, but Drama Desk tends to go for the Broadway shows for the books sometimes. I think Harmony won Off-Broadway last year, though. Um, so I think I think it's going to be very, very tight between Kimberly Kimba and Shucked. So I'm like a hot, even though it's doing well right now, I think, for me, the weakness is that they sacrifice Sugar Story. Yeah. Personally. That, yeah, that really sucked. Because um, she was amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it essentially comes down to the original content or the recreated content. And I do and I do think Shucked is so fun, but it's in the category of Angeliette. It's not a super complex show. It doesn't... T it's very campy, right? Mm -hmm. And it does... I mean, but also those... They also deserve to win too, but I think Kimberly just did a really excellent job at 
giving us a story that um, was funny, heartfelt, um, made you question, made you talk, made you think. You, I left a different person slightly. I left feeling on cloud nine. I left shocked, but like I really did like sit with Kimberly for weeks after. Mm -hmm. So. I want Kimberly, and I think Kimberly, because I'm going to put that in the universe. I do think Kimberly, I'm talking myself into Kimberly, I don't know, Shuck, it just, like, for me, it makes sense for, like, this to possibly be one of Shuck's only, if not only win, um, but we'll get to that in a little bit, mm -hmm. too. By the way, speaking of the ice rink, I'm so mad Kimberly didn't get a scenic design nomination, because yeah. of the fact alone that they figured out how to make those motherfuckers ice skate on a stage. Literally. Just absolutely. Genius. Devastating shutout. Alright, going on to Best Original Score, we have Almost Famous, written by Tom Kitt and Cameron Crowe, Kimberly Akimbo, written by Janine Tesori and David Lindsay Abair, K-Pop, written by Helen Park and Max Vernon, Shucked, written by Brandi Clark and Shane McAnally, and Some Like a Hot, written by Sh Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. You go with this one. Um, I think it's Kimberly Akimbo. This one's, like, easier for book for me for some reason. Again, it's that connection to orchestrations. Um, I say look out for whoever wins orchestrations. Okay. Because it's going to be earlier in the night than score. Um, Almost Famous got it. Almost Famous and K-pop got in. But that also is a bit of a testament to how few original scores there were this season. Are these all original? Yes. Okay. Um, a lot of people thought, like, Life of Pi was going to get in over one of the musicals. Oh, man. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, score is what? It's the, um, how would you describe what score is? Like the music that's driving the story. And so like with musicals, the it's, collection it's, it's, of it's it. the sung words. So I it's mean, music and lyrics, essentially. So I'm like a hot did pull out some really fucking emotional bangers, really good. Um, Shucked was, what? There's some really, like, bright gems in it. They're not Alex Newell's, and they're not, you know, the flashy ones. There's, what's the lead girl's name? Oh, uh, Maisie. She had some amazing I know. songs. Maybe Love. It's such a beautiful song. I do like it This one, this one could be hard. K-pop, I didn't see it, unfortunately. But yeah, Kimberly, I mean, you give me fucking a song about stealing from a legally blind woman, I'm in. Yeah. Give it the award. And there's that thing so, where Janine Tesori writes that almost in an operatic way. You're right. Every song was a moment in the scene that was could have been a dialogue and not a bad way, meaning like it could have been just like a... No, totally. It's very... Con her, her writing is very conversational. Yeah. I'm going to give it... I want and I think, Kimberly. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think Some Like a Hot is probably the biggest potential upset here, but... Which I I'll also say, and I did love too, but I will say Sound Like a Hot also used a couple existing songs. True that. Let's Be Bad was in Smash, so. Smash wrote it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I do think, hoping and think that this is going to be Kimberly's to take. All right. Because I want Janine Tesori. Yes. You want? I want Janine Tesori to have every fucking Tony Award there is out there possible. Can you keep, I gotta pee. Yes. Please. Okay, everybody. Go piss, girl. All right. Next up, we've got Featured Actor in a Musical. First of all, let's just say uh, all first-time nominees, which is really exciting. Everybody? Everybody. Fuck yeah. So, we have Kevin Cahoon for Shucked, Justin Cooley for Kimberly Akimbo, Kevin DeLagula for Some Like It Hot, Jordan Donica for Camelot, and Alex Newell for Shucked. Right. 
let's let's talk candidly. Can I dive in, or yes. do you want to go first? Nope, go ahead. Um, the one-liners were delivered were amazing. I think. Okay, I'm. I was notorious at wanting to be the side character that was just funny because you get all the laughs, you get all the accolades. Um, does character push the story forward? No, I definitely think he's out of the content. Content for me, he's out of the running for me. Um, Alex um, provided an amazing performance, and I think gave such heart and like power to the role. But my issue is, is the other contender. Oh, no, hold on. Let's talk about Lancelot. Should have been nominated. It should have been King Arthur. True, but he would have been leading. Lead, so, I know. Yeah, yeah. So what I mean by that was like all the energy put behind. Because it's the only Camelot one, right? For acting, yeah. Like, I have an issue with that. Because mm -hmm. I think Guinevere and King Arthur were phenomenal. So, um, Lancelot did decent. Um, I think I think it was, what's his name from Shocked here? Then Lancelot. Um, and then Alex, but not because Alex was awful at all. It's because those other two, um, uh, the name? Kevin Delagula and Justin Cooley. Um, Daphne's lover was so joyous and fun and fucking funny. Physical comedy out the wazoo was able to stand on stage with, um, Daphne and deliver and, when 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 he wasn't in the center of the stage, he was aside on on the side. You could see the acting never stopped. He was in love with Daphne. He wanted to be near her, and you could just tell every second. Um, and and I, he comes in late. He does come in late, and he's able to steal a, a lot of my heart. Mm -hmm. But I will say that um, my guy from Kimberly was so. Innocent and, and, and pure, and I think I, I think the nostalgia in me really just is, is aggressive that way because I, I feel connected to that character, really you know dorky and nerdy, and, and what he represents a lot of what I find I am or want to be in the world, and I think he did it with such grace. Mm -hmm. And my issue with this is that there's powerhouse performances, right? Like Alex yep. and the two shucked were, they hit him out of the ballpark. I was fully laughing at both of them and I felt the power from both of them, but I'm a big fan of quiet power and that's where I think Kimberly and Some Like It Hot came in. Yeah. Well, and I'd say too that Kevin for Some Like It Hot is a more of a powerhouse type. It's not? It is. It is. Yeah. Like I'd say it's like a, a standout Similar to like Alex Newell, do you? I would. Interesting. I think it's just because he's he's loud. He's 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 loud and proud. He is loud, but he is fully connected to Daphne. He is a sidekick to Daphne. Mm -hmm. he, he there's no that we get the really beautiful story he has is who he is as a person, you know, um, with his family, and we get that nugget that helps Daphne. That story is not to help us understand him; it's to help Daphne understand him. Yeah. So that's why I say it's more subtle because his character is there to f put Daphne in the front and for us to love Daphne and want to be a part of their mm -hmm. growth, so. Yeah, I, agree. I I hear you. So yeah, I agree that for me, Kevin and Jordan aren't in the question of winning. They're not? No. Kevin Cahoon and Jordan Donica, so Shocked and Camelot. I think they're, well, they're not the nominations to win. Um, yeah, with Alex Newell, 
with, I think the benefit that their character has is that Lulu is really a part of the conflict because they're part of like, you know, they're the cousin of Maisie and that relationship kind of gets severed temporarily because of Maisie's decision to go yeah. out and find help. And then Lulu's kind of clocking that it's not a right situation, you know? So they're a part of the center conflict, which helps aid their character to be like an award contender. And they've been, the show has been advertising their song. Yes. And so I think this is going to be tight between Alex Newell and then Justin for Kimberly. Um, so happy if either of them win. Yes. Alex has the hype right now, sweeping all the precursors. And like you said, the marketing for Shucked is really like kind of centered around Alex because it's like the fan base that has been really showing up a lot for yeah. Alex's performance specifically. And that could be seen when we saw it, you know, like it was like screaming as soon as Alex stepped on stage for the first time. And like, yeah. um, independently owned, got a standing ovation from me included. Um, but I couldn't get up in time. My bad knees. I'm thirty. And um, it was like I went to do one of these. Was like it just ended. It's hard because like there are performances that like win because they have like one powerhouse number. But for me, Alex was able to bring more to it than just that song, mm -hmm. and really delivered in a lot of the scene work as well. Okay. Now, personally, I think Alex was able to embody themselves a lot as part of that and not necessarily doing something too different from what their natural persona is. Where, like, someone like Kevin, for someone like It Hot, is fully, like, dived into, like, a different type of character. And also, like, that character in that show could be so hateable. It's like a rich, like, um, Nepo baby of a family yeah. who created Rupee or whatever, who's so rich and everything, and, like, could have been such, like, an obnoxious, like, not root for character where you were rooting for him the entire time. Yeah. And I think that has to do with his charm that he was able to bring to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then Justin for Kimberly Akimbo, like, I remember leaving that show, like, and his performance stuck with me for weeks because I was so impressed that somebody was able to be so nuanced and natural, but you could, but you are able to recognize how much work it took to do it. Like yes. it didn't, it didn't look comfortable. It looked hard. And, yeah. But, but like it came off as so just genuine and Kimberly and really Kimberly's story doesn't work without him as a character. Yeah. You know, like Kimberly's arc needs him in order for it, the story to happen. Um, so all three of them push the leading women a little bit further. Yeah. And I mean, you can even argue Jordan Donica of Camelot kind of does that a little bit with Guinevere. Um, no, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I really, I do want, and Justin Cooley, he's only 19 years old. So who do you want? Who do you think? I want Justin. Think Alex. Uh... I want Justin, I think Alex. Here's the thing. I, I do also think Alex, and I think it's going to also be, like, compensation for not nominating them for uh, Once on this Island a few years ago, because there was so much, like, backlash about that. Um, All right. And I think I think the hype around Alex right now is strong enough that it could carry them. Um, okay. Thinking what? Go, go ahead. Uh, I don't know, because I also see a night where Kimberly wins every award it's nominated for. You have to do it. You cannot do it. Mm. 
I'm gonna say Alex. You think Alex is gonna win? I think Alex Who do you win. want to win? Justin Cooley. All right. All right, featured actress in a musical. So we have Julia Lester for Into the Woods, Ruthie Ann Miles for Sweeney Todd, Bonnie Milligan for Kimberly Akimbo, Natasha Yvette Williams for Some Like It Hot, and Betsy Wolf for And Juliet. I mean, there's we're we're, just, we're not we're, this one's pretty easy. We're so, not we're not so too deep. Three. One, two, three. three. Bonnie, Bonnie Milligan, like hundred yeah. percent. I hope wins. I think deserves to win. Let me. Yeah. If you give me you give me a song that talks about legally blind and taking their money, and then give me dialogue where she offers a teenager a blowjob, I need all the awards. It's my dark humor. It's that it's that vibe. Um, let's talk about everybody else besides Bonnie, because clearly I want and I think. Yeah. Gonna so win. Julia Lester for Little Red. We didn't get to see it. Didn't get to see hers. Nope. Um, we got to see somebody else who I think, you know, the way they created it is probably very similar, like, mm -hmm. take on it. Like an edgy, angsty side to it. And Which I just love. from the cast recording, I, Julia is like my favorite part of the cast recording, because, and I did a TikTok about this where musical theater albums nowadays, like cast recordings, are so focused on the music sounding good that you lose a lot of the character. Julia Lester didn't give a fuck how she sounded on that cast recording. She was going to make it very clear that she was her little red. Yeah. And still sounds amazing. I will say this. You, you watched High School Musical TV series. And I would come in and anytime she was on the screen, I was glued to it. She's a character driven actress. She goes deep. And yeah. I think without even seeing it, only seeing like a, a performance that somebody really yeah. recorded I, is a, con a massive contender for it. Yes. I love, she's gotten every nomination pretty much possible. Um, well-deserved. Will not win this time around, but she will be a Tony winner in the future. Like, for no. sure. Next. Ruthie Ann Miles for The Beggar Woman in Sweeney Todd. Um, this was the one of the biggest surprises. Um, some people thought it could happen, but a lot of people thought it wasn't going to go. Um, from what I'm hearing, she's bringing, like, a new level of, like, depth to The Beggar Woman that's not often seen. Mm. Um, the Beggar Woman's never been nominated before in any production. Um... And, yeah, I don't have that much more to say about it. Natasha Vett Williams, Sound Like a Hot. She was wonderful. I think just there's other characters in the show who get a bigger arc. She just, unfortunately, doesn't have much of an arc to the yeah. show. She's kind of just carrying the story. Yeah, very funny, though. Amazing singer. Well-nominated. Well-deserved. Yeah. And then Betsy Wolf for Anne Juliet, who I would say is the biggest threat. So I will say Betsy Wolf, and as much as I love Anne Juliet, I think Anne Juliet is a very kitschy, it's very simple, it's... Like, surface-level dialogue. I think Betsy brought a dorky love to it that I really enjoyed watching. Yeah. But also, like, a nurturing, like, mother tender. Like, that made me feel good. Especially when she sings, um... That's the way it that's is. That's the way it is. It, it, yeah. It's that Not moment where you're like, oh, you guys were singing Britney. You were singing Backstreet Boys. But, like... This song, this ballad, ripped my heart out. Yeah, she reminds you in Act Two. She's like, "Bitch, I'm one of the best singers in the industry." Literally, like, she's like, hold on. Let's remember, I was singing Domino like, a yes, second yeah, ago. Literally, I was, yeah. yeah, literally, that's the one I think about because, yeah. Um, but Bonnie. Yeah, and then I will say too, missing from here, I really wish Ali Mazi would have gotten in as the mom for Kimberly Kimbo. Really? Yes. Because she made that character so redeemable, and like. She is so buried in humor. Like, she was Glinda. She was, um, Lo I forget, her name starts with an L from Crybaby. Lorraine? Not Lorraine. Something else. She's, like, rooted in comedy, but 
she, you know, had to go to such a deeper, darker place for this, but was still able to bring those comedic roots to it. Yeah. And she could sing so well. Um, but Bonnie. And I will say, it's Bonnie Milligan's best chance of winning because Ali Mazi not being here is the best thing that could have happened. It's Bonnie, 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 Bonnie. Pretty much end of story. Bonnie, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. No, I actually want to talk about her. We have a friend we brought who is, loves... We've talked. We've talked about him before. Austin, yeah. It's Glee. He like I'm gonna say the bass is Glee, right? He's heard all these songs, but in a different like prospect, and, and he's somebody who it, it doesn't dive in the way we dive in. But he was loving, loving the show. He had or Bonnie had all three of us in tears. I pretty sure you snorted at one point, but then there was moments where the character was fully realized and such an awful character who's stealing and hurting people and doing really bad but shit. you're rooting for her. <laughs> the whole time you're rooting, like, like, ever, the whole time, I was like, she's right, we should be doing illegal stuff. And because she sells it so well, too, that she's, like, she's trying to do it to, she, it, like, she comes off as Kimberly's only cheerleader in her family, too. I think she really is, though, like, yeah. genuinely is. Yeah. I think she loves Kimberly, and to be the... It's not often when a show gives you hyper, hyper, funny, funny, funny comedy, and you're also the grounding of all the characters. Usually, the funny is around on the outskirts. Think of the um, guy in Shocked, right? Mm -hmm. He's super funny. Wasn't really, we didn't really, his character could have disappeared and we'd have been fine. Bonnie, Bonnie's character on Deb is so integral to the parents' relationship with Kimberly, Kimberly's relationship with the parents. Kimberly's relationship with her, the, the, the kids. Yeah, totally. Like, so. Yeah. But once again, so funny. I love, uh, um, uh, what's the word? Um, using your body comedy. Damn Physical it. comedy. Yeah, oh my God. Duh. Um, so funny. Yeah. Wish she was climbing in that window. Yeah. Oh my God. She like, I want, she will. I'm, I'm making it happen. I'm selling my soul tonight. She's yeah. getting that Tony. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I'd say Be Betsy is candidate. And the sing. The singing? The singing. The sing. The sing. She the sing. Sing. She can fucking sing. Uh, yeah, I would say Betsy Wolf is her biggest competition. She's campaigning her ass off. Singing everywhere possible right now. Um, but I think it's Bonnie's for sure. Like, without a doubt. And that's a testament to Janine Tesori, too, and David Lindsay for the show, writing the show, too. But... In a Janine Tesori show, every character is going to be realized and, like, be important. And every single character in Kimberly Kimbo was so important. Where yeah. I could have seen every single one of them being Tony nominated. Like, the dad could have easily gotten into for yeah. a featured actor, you know? Yeah. So. It's been a great fucking chance, Tony's listen to this, for you to create a category called Ensemble. Because those four kids together... Their presentations together were so funny. We need it. It needs to happen. Six showed you that need to happen. The three girls in Parade showed you it need to happen. We need an ensemble of some kind. Yeah. So get on it. If you need somebody to write it or do it, call me. I'm pretty cheap. He's free. I love Chipotle. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Lead actor in a musical. Six nominees. So, we have Christian Borle for Some Like It Hot, Brian Darcy James for Into the Woods, Jay Harrison G for Some Like It Hot, Josh Groban for Sweeney Todd, Ben Platt for Parade, and Colton Ryan for New York, New York. So, 
pretty easy. Jay's gonna win. Needs to win, period. Can we move on? Um, we can talk about Colton Ryan just because controversial. I've it's so funny because a few people I know have seen it and literally specifically said Colton Ryan ruined the show for me. I'm like, I don't know what show you were seeing. What? Um, and that's that's the polarizing take on his on his performance. But again, if I could award both of them, I would. Um, I loved it. It was so we talked about it in the review. Yeah. Honest and true, and he went Committed, there. invested, so committed. fully fit, committed, invested, and I think it's worth accolades. However, I think Colton Ryan will be back again. Colton Ryan will be a triple crown of acting, uh, Emmy Oscar Tony winner. He will fit our title perfectly. Um, and but, and Jay is going to be the most deserving winner. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it happen. Um, because I, then we could say we sat only a few seats away from a Tony winner. When we were at show. We did. So. They were right near us. All right. Actress and musical. We have Annalie Ashford for Sweeney Todd, Sarah Bareilles for Into the Woods, Victoria Clark for Kimberly Kimbo, Lorna Courtney for Anne Juliet, and Michaela Diamond for Parade. Easy. One, two, three. Victoria Clark. I, I forgot the name of her, but it was, it was Kimberly Kimbo. With that also being said, we did see Stephanie J. Block in Into the Woods. We did. And like, uh, so I want to be like, oh, I do think. But it's not the one that's nominated, but I'm like, I liked what they did with The Baker's Wife. Baker's Wife is a great character. It won, um, Joanna Gleason, who played the original Baker's Wife, won the Tony for it in the 80s. Okay. Um, it's a very deserving character, and if done well, can win. Yeah. Um. But with that being said, didn't see Sarah Umbrellas, can't talk about it, but Kimberly, like, period. Yeah. I will say, I'm so happy for Angeliette. What's her name? Lorna. It carried the show. She does have magical moments mm -hmm. and I'm happy she got it in the same way um uh what's his name from Kimberly Kimbo 19 year old Justin Cooley like I'm happy you guys got it and and Julia Lester like all of you you got your nomination we'll see we will see you in a year or two yeah. you're all getting your Tonys it's like and with Lorna Courtney and I'll say this it was like a competition of whose poorly written character was going to get the fifth slot because it was definitely between Lorna Courtney Anna Uzili and Adriana Hicks all Leading women who deserved better parts. Deserve, all three deserve better writing. Because they were all showing up for it. Yes, they all showed up for it so much, but just had limited material to work with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Victoria Clark, easy. Like, there's no fucking doubt. There's yeah. no way. Um, all right, choreography. So, we have Stephen Hoggett for Sweeney Todd, Casey Nicola for Some Like It Hot, Susan Stroman for New York, New York, Jennifer Weber for Anne Juliet, and Jennifer Weber for K-Pop. Needs to be something like a hot. Easy enough. Yeah, Easy I said. mean... We talked about it in the review. Like, nothing the, we saw this year was as well choreographed as that. The tap, the tapping was amazing. The dances were amazing. The waltz was amazing. And then, and then the big scene. The chase scene. The chasing that had dance. The chasing. Stunt choreography. Set design choreography. Like, it yeah. was amalgamation. Fully deserves to win. Yeah. I'd say New York, New York is closest on its trail, but, like... I want, and I think, I sound like hot. Sound like a hot, I agree. It's like, Casey Nicola has yet to win a Tony for, he's won for directing, but not for choreography. I think this is like, probably going to be seen as his most successful piece to date. So Good. like, I think it's his. Good. All right, direction of a musical. We have Michael Arden for Parade, Lear DeBessonet for Into the Woods, Casey Nicola for Some Like It Hot, Jack O'Brien for Shucked, and Jessica Stone for Kimberly Akimbo. So this one's kind of tricky. Um, so if you look at it, you're looking at 
Direction all, almost always goes to either the best revival or best musical winner. Okay. So, foreshadowing to what I think, I think Parade's winning revival, I think Kimberly Kimbo's winning musical. So therefore, it would be Jessica Stone or Michael Arden. And I'm really torn between the two of them. Because what Michael Arden did with recreating Parade was so spectacular and like the choices made are what made me like sob well the music too because jason robert brown but like uh, like the uh, like the the courtroom the courtroom scene alone was yeah. so well directed yeah. that like that deserves it for me the only thing that takes it away is the fucking mary coming down in the swing in act two oh, during yeah, during that. the riot scene um when it happens in Act 1 during the courtroom scene, I thought it was effective. When he did it again in Act 2, I was like, what What were you doing? Because it kind of killed we, the scene for And me. we had such better options, like her falling off of it, or her disappearing somehow. Yeah, the swing being empty or something. Because, like, it's a good... In Act 1, it's a good indication that, like, Mary's spirit and presence is still present. And then in Act 2, it's like, were you trying to, like, it's bring her in to say, like... You're shaming my name by acting this way. And Are like, you supporting what they're doing? Yeah. It, it was it was a really, really weird choice. Boom. But So Kimberly's winning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, like, Michael Arden won the Outer Critics. Um, Jessica Stone won the Outer Critics last year for the Off-Broadway production. Um, it's going to be really tight between the two of them. I do think that they're going to give it to Michael Arden. That's for Kimberly? Me. No, for Parade. Parade, okay. Because I think, the not, moment. yeah. So <laughs> I think Michael Arden's going to get it for Parade because it's one of those revivals that was just so well done that it deserves like awarding and recognition. I'm going to say Kimberly made me feel more, which is funny because like that because Parade makes you feel the things. But it's like, what but, is it? Was there things? What about the direction in Kimberly? Do you think? Um, you feel I'm, that? I'm all about subtle. I am all about subtle. Like you know, you giving me. Um, I, as much as I love technical sets and lighting and sound, I think they can be manipulative in a show. I think that Kimberly was able to use, as we said, like the orchestration so well and the lighting and the set. And think, think about how her her bedroom came on and all. So what I mean by that is that it's all there. There were so subtle directions, mm -hmm. and that it felt honest and true and understated. And I enjoyed that more than the hyper artistic view of parade it's funny because you gave that argument when we were talking about lighting saying how light how parade tied all the acting lighting set all that together mm -hmm. and then i was gonna say in that way till we talk about direction because then i thought you were gonna be leaning towards parade yeah well what i mean by that is that if i'm sitting and if i as a as if i was voting kimberly made me feel more with much less and i think that's a okay. testament to the directing mm -hmm. where i'm not saying that parade all that stuff wasn't phenomenal and helped with this scene but like I walked out feeling something with both of those and then I look back and I'm like the simplicity that Kimberly was able to give me yeah made and me, you know it what? made me feel the same feels as Parade is powerful and now that I think about it I think another knock to Michael's direction is the projections in the sense that it's not um visible well for the whole theater uh, that parade yeah yeah i couldn't we even we paid for like the upgraded rush seats and like could barely see them yeah i couldn't see them so and we we, we, we talked to people in the rush line they were like i was sitting there and i couldn't see one of them yeah so you know what maybe maybe you talked me out of it a little bit i don't know we'll see okay best revival 
of a musical. I didn't do this one, but we'll go through them. All right. There you go. Musical revival. We've got Camelot, Into the Woods, Parade, Sweeney Todd. I mean, okay, so Parade's going to win. Yeah. And I think it should win there. I think it's, it was a phenomenal production. Camelot is great, and it was fun, and I love it. And just it. reimagined. Yeah. Where I think it should have been in for book. We didn't talk about that in book, but... Yeah. I think it should have gotten book over New York, New York. What about Sweeney Todd? I think with Sweeney, I think it has a good case, but I think the reaction has been too mixed. Okay. And then Into the Woods. I'd say Into the Woods is the biggest threat to Parade, just because Into the Woods was such an event and such a spectacle. It's funny, both Encore's productions I got pushed to a full um, Broadway revival. Which I will say, this is the, so this completely blows the argument prior, but when it comes to revival, I, and, and this might come off wrong, I think Into the Woods was lazy put together, and what I mean by that was like, they want to do an encore, just something fun. We lo everybody loves Steven. Let's have it a stage show, and just it went really well. What it wasn't as visually appealing. It didn't make, it didn't feel much of a Broadway show as. Which is why wanted it. I was surprised it got in for direction personally. But. All right, there you go. So yeah, so I think Parade's gonna win. I think it's great too. And, and then best musical we have Anna Juliet, Kimberly Akimbo, New York, New York, Shucked, and Some Like It Hot. It's hard because I'm pulled between some like it hot and Kimberly, but I'm gonna go Kimberly. I'm not Agreed. gonna talk about the others, even though they're all phenomenal. I've led up and been pretty strong with Kimberly this whole time. I'm gonna see it through. It really stuck with me for a good portion. It led me into my my um thinking about death. Part of my life I hit thirty, you know what I mean? And I talk about it a lot with you. It's just like Soaking in every moment and really reaching it with the people you love. So, like, it, it really, it altered the way I look at the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a powerful art, period. Whether it's television, movies, plays. If it's able to change the way you think of something, it's, and it sticks with you. So, yeah, I'm willing, Kimberly. Agreed. Um, the way I look at it, all the other ones, you can find flaws I cannot find a single flaw with Kimberly Kimbo. Like, I really can't. No. Not one. Everybody was showing up. Music was great. Set was interesting and, and, and fun. Now, the argument... And I made this argument to a podcaster I listened to. So, what's interesting is... So, Kimberly Kimbo got shut out of all the tech categories. Um, mm -hmm. It hasn't... Since, since Avenue Q won Best Musical in 2004... There hasn't been a musical that won Best Musical without having at least one technical nomination. And I thought that was just kind of interesting to point out. Because to me it said, was the, sh was the support a little underwhelming? And is, is Kimberly Akimbo at risk because of that? But mm. I don't know how legit that is. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting thing that I noticed. Where yeah. every Best Musical winner since has had at least, at least one technical nomination. Interesting. Um, but stats are made to be broken. So yeah, a Kimberly is one of a kind uh, for sure. And with that, just overall takeaways, you know, if, if our predictions are right, Kimberly Kimbo is going to be the biggest winner of the night. Um, with something like a hot right behind it. Hopefully. And like, honestly, it's nominated for eight, right? And we've made an argument that it could win every single one, which I would love, honestly. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, and then behind that, like some like a hot, We'll have a few. Shocked could have a couple. New York, New York is going to have like one, one maybe more. 
Um, and then play-wise, you know, Life of Pi is going to be the kind of bigger winner with the tech wins. And then, you know, a lot of the acting awards are going to go to shows who it might be their only win. And Leopold Stat will probably end up being the big winner, but we'll see. We'll so. see. We are most likely going to record our reactions to the Tonys. That'd be fun. And, I really do want and, to. And splice it up for so. you guys. But thank you all for sticking around. Um, I was the yes, most excited to do this one. So this is my baby. Here's my baby. Take care of it. This baby. Um, Where's Paula? Spread the word because there are like, there's nobody doing Tony coverage on the podcast networks. So listen to ours because I think it's pretty well educated. I am very educated. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I wasn't educated at all. But with that, in exactly one week, we will be in the midst of the Tony Awards. So yeah. Alright, high five. Okay. Love you. Love you all. Thank you so much.